Well, what we're going to be driving at this evening is looking at the idea that God provides differently in different seasons. And obviously for us, there's not a season whereby manna is falling from the sky and then a season where we have to go eat the produce of the land. But what we can recognize in terms of the similarity is the benevolent fatherly care of God for us, his people, as there was benevolently, benevolent fatherly care for these people back in Joshua chapter 5. And so we're looking really at God's benevolent fatherly care and the way that he provided manna for them while they needed it until that season was done. And then there was a new season where he provided differently. But God always provides for his people, though it is different in different seasons. Some people say, I'm sure you've heard it before. I mean, I've, I've probably said it too, and it's, it's very true in a, in a very real sense. Jesus is all you need. There's a, there's a very real sense in which that's true. And you hear people say that, Jesus is all you need. Without negating what is true about that statement, let me draw your attention to a couple of sort of obvious nuances to that statement, which could help prevent misunderstanding. Let's say if Jesus is all you have tomorrow and you don't have any water, you'll probably live tomorrow. But then let's say that Jesus is all you have on Tuesday and you don't have any water. Again, you probably live, but you're going to start to see some serious problems ensue. There's a certain point in time after which, if you've had nothing to drink, there's a certain sense, without trying to be irreverent, in which Jesus is not all you need and you will die of thirst because you do not have physical water. When, when, when we say Jesus is all you need, when I say it, when others say it, there's a certain set of assumptions that we're making and a certain context in which that's true and a certain paradigm within which that's true. But it's not to negate the fact that we need other things, like food. And so as the Israelites went out into the wilderness, there was a certain sense in which Yahweh was all they needed, but there was also a certain sense in which they needed food. And in fact, what we see is that God provided manna in the wilderness throughout the 40 years that they wandered until this day that we read about when they finally get to the promised land, eat of its produce, and the manna ceases. We have various needs other than God in the sense that I've nuanced it and described it above. Back in 2014, 15, somewhere, somewhere around there, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 2013, I drove to another city in Canada and I got myself a dog that I had arranged to pick up that particular day. And this dog's name was Johnny. So we had to change the name so that both me and the dog didn't come running when Mel called. So we ended, up, we ended up calling the dog Junior. And I became very attached to this dog. He was my good buddy. And when we go out, when I go out uh, on my 
night run, trucking, uh, driving all over the province. I'd, I'd be driving all night and I'd have Junior, my dog, in the uh, truck with me. And when I took a little nap in the bed, uh, which was behind the driver's seat in the big tractor trailers, my dog would curl up with me and he was my buddy, Junior. Well, when we started to think about moving to Barbados, we started to reckon with the cost that would be involved. And I don't mean, I don't mean the outlay of money. All of that would be covered by the church in sending us down here. What I mean is we would have to sell our house and we would no longer be homeowners. And we would have to leave the uh, country that we had both come to call home, even though Mel was originally from Barbados. She was up there from the years 18 to 30, during which portion of time you do a lot of growing and maturing and you, you change a lot and you, you become attached to a lot of times you put down roots in a new place and you become attached to that place and that was the case with Mel. So we had, to, we had to give up our house, we had to give up the country, we had to give up our familiar social networks as we were going from a place that we knew a good set of people and knew them deeply and significantly and had some pretty strong friendships and go to a place where even the acquaintances that Mel had, most of them were long distant, if I could put it that way, that there was 12 years between her and intimacy with many of those people. And uh, of course it was her parents and we've been really privileged and grateful to have them as we moved back to Barbados. But there was a very real sense in which we were going to a place where we didn't really have friends per se. We didn't really have close relationships. So there were all these costs and I had settled in my mind that all of this would be worth it. And he who gives up everything for Jesus finds in the end that he has sacrificed nothing. This was my mindset. And I said, I'm going to let all of these things go. But I had in my head that there ain't no way I'm getting rid of Junior. <laughs> Junior is coming with me to Barbados one way or another. Well, one thing led to another. Mel was pregnant and struggling with um, depression associated with the uh, hormones and whatnot that she was experiencing during the pregnancy. She was taking care of a little toddler on top of that. And we were up on the eighth floor of an apartment building. I was gone working like 12 hour days with a long commute on either end of that 12 hours. And she was up there just barely hanging on. And it was difficult for her to take the dog out in the middle of the day if you needed to go to the bathroom. And she, she was struggling with that. And of course, you can't just open the door and let him out on the eighth floor. And I started looking into the paperwork, how much this is going to cost to transport my dog from one place to another and how complicated it's going to be. And I knew enough about Barbados at that time to know that things don't always work in the most efficient manner possible. And I started to realize, I'm not taking the dog. 
and I started to realize if I'm not taking the dog, it doesn't make sense to put Mel through another year of suffering and struggle only to get rid of the dog at the end of that time. So, you know, I, I put some feelers out there and, uh, and we ended up finding a good home for him and that was great. That was, that was, I'm happy the way that that worked out. But I remember the day that I drove to drop him off at the place, at the home of the guy that was taking him. And I cried and I cried and I cried the whole way there. In my pickup truck, he was riding beside me. Of course, we had the wheel on the left in Canada. And he was riding on my right and I just cried and cried and cried the whole way there. And about like two minutes away from the guy's house, I was like, well, be a man. Stop crying, <laughs> you know? You gotta just drop this dog off. You're gonna be fine, just, everything's fine, just do it. So I kind of pulled myself together, got the dog out of the truck, and then the guy asked me, how, hey John, how you doing? <laughs> just cried again. <laughs> and he brought me into his house and mercifully just changed the subject and started showing me random YouTube videos about this and that. And like, I appreciate it, he was being, gracious and getting my mind off it. I watched these videos and like settled down and we chit-chatted about this and that and the next thing. And then I, at some point I said, all right, well, I better be going. And I stood up and boom, started crying again. <laughs> and well, I, just, I just had to leave. I just walked right out the door. He understood, just closed the door behind me, didn't even look back. But I got in my truck and as I drove away, I saw in my rear view mirror my dog looking out the window cried again all the way home. Listen, I cried for like, honestly, I cried like at work for like two, three days. It was brutal. You might say, well, John really loves dogs. Yes. Yes, I, I do really love dogs, but I would say, I would say this. That dog, I think, represented to me like one bit of constancy. And while I was giving up everything else, I had in my mind, like the one thing that's not gonna change is the dog. And he's gonna be sort of the connection between this season and that season. And as I leave Canada and as I give up everything else, at least my dog's gonna be there. And then it was like, when I had to get rid of the dog, it was like, I think it was, it was like, more like the straw that broke the camel's back, more so than like my actual love for the dog specifically. I think it signaled to me that this new season is gonna be completely different. And there's not gonna be any vestiges of the old season in this new season. As we go through life, there are different seasons. And one of the things that I think that we often struggle to do is to let go of the way that God provided for us in a previous season and accept that the way He's going to provide for us in the new season may be totally different. Whether it's a dog, whether it's a job, 
whether it's a set of friends, whether it's a church family, whatever it is. I think what happens or what can, what can tend to happen with us is that's our manna, if you will, for that season. And we tend to feel like we need this manna to keep dropping from the sky every day ad infinitum, forever. We can never have this manna stop. And again, whether it's a dog or a set of friends or a church family or a job or whatever, I think one thing that, that can be very hard for us is when God stops providing in the way that He has been providing and begins providing for us in a new way. That's what's happening in this passage before us today. God is no longer sending the manna day by day, but the people are not unprovided for. God stops sending the manna when He starts feeding them with the produce from the land. Here's the first point of application that I will give you tonight. Don't hang on too tightly to the manna of any one particular season. God may not always provide for you in the same way that He has provided for you up till now. Don't hang on too tightly to the manna of any season. But here's the second point of application which flows into the next point of the sermon. Trust that there will be what you need for each season. When the manna stops, you may eat from the produce of the land, as it were. God is not going to make, put you in a situation where you don't have what you need. And so if He stops the manna, it's because there's another means of provision. Now this is not prosperity gospel in the sense that God is going to provide every whim, every desire, every fantasy that you have. That last season was a season of wilderness wanderings with you know crummy sandals and old burlap clothes and like this is going to be a new season of a land flowing with milk and honey no 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying any such thing that this next season that you're going into is going to be a better season with more provision I'm not trying to say that what I'm trying to say is look at the text before us God fed them with manna for 40 years till they ate the produce of the land and when it was no longer needful and good for them to have manna provided day by day God stopped and he began providing a different way. God is going to continue and always provide what is needful and good for you. Not necessarily what everything you want, but everything you need. Now, we should know that that doesn't always even mean that you're going to have what you think you need. Sometimes what you need is actually quite uncomfortable for you. For me, I can say that it was good for me that I lost so many things, including my dog. There's actually been a lot of growth in my life associated with having to stop leaning on those things and stop clinging to those things and stop holding on to those things. And for me to feel in my heart like I'm in foreign land 
and like I don't, I don't know what to cling to and what to hold to. And some of the wrestling that I've had to do has been, has been good for me. God may put you in a situation where you no longer have to go just outside your tent and you know put a ladle down or, or a jar or whatever and just scoop up the manna, which is right there for the taking. Low-hanging fruit, if you will. God may put you in a situation where all of a sudden now you've got to till and sow and cultivate the land. God may put you in a situation where now you've got to climb trees to pick the fruit. And the man is not just there for the taking. But just like it's good for a baby at some point to no longer be spoon-fed. And those of us who are parents have crossed that threshold, I'm sure, or, or will cross that threshold, where the kid starts saying, can you feed me? And you say, no, <laughs> feed yourself. And you're not, it's not because you're being hard-hearted, or at least I should say, it's not always because you're being hard-hearted. <laughs> but there is, a, there is a certain sense in which it's actually good for the child's development to begin building those skills for himself or herself. You can think also, say for example, of the abuse of the welfare state. I'm not making any comment about state provision of welfare for those who maybe truly need it. That's a, for another night. But what I, am, what I am trying to say is there are certainly those who, who mooch and freeload off the welfare system. And continuing to spoon feed those people is not good for them. There is a point at which little kids need to stop being spoon-fed and start to learn to feed themselves. There's a point at which grown men and women need to stop being spoon-fed by the state and need to figure out how to go out and earn money. And likewise, God may put you in a situation where He doesn't make it as easy for you in this season as it was in the previous season. He's not spoon-feeding you anymore, dropping manna all around your tent. Now you've got to go out and find the fruit. Now you've got to go out and hunt the meat. Now you've got to go out and till and sow and plow and so on and so forth until you reap the harvest. That's not bad for you. So when I say God may provide for you or God will provide for you in the next season just as He provided for you in the previous season even though it might be different, I'm not saying that it will be easier. I'm not even saying it will be as easy. It may well actually be much harder in the coming season than in the previous season. But if God does that, it's still going to be good for you. Likewise, God may provide something that's actually very hard for you. God may provide something that's actually very difficult for you. He might, he might put you into sickness. He might put you into poverty. I remember the story of Corey Tenboom and Betsy Tenboom going to a, a concentration camp and arriving and finding that the women's dormitory that they were in was flea infested. And at first they thought, on top of all this, now we're in this place with fleas. Corey said to her sister, Betsy, I can't believe that God would not even do us the slightest favor of giving us clean beds to sleep in. But as time went on, they learned that the guards would not go in the dormitories because the dormitories were so flea infested. And so in there was a reprieve from the cruelty. In there was a reprieve from the supervision. And in there, 
they could freely read their smuggled in Bibles and in fact share the gospel with other women. And so there was actually that, that flea-ridden dormitory actually became a sanctuary for many of the women. I believe it was at Ravensbrück concentration camp where Betsy eventually ended up dying. But it was an oasis for Corey and it was an oasis for Betsy. Likewise, the way God has worked powerfully in some people's hearts through their cancer or through some other kind of tragedy to the point where they realized that what God provided was good for them, was needful for them. It wasn't that God worked in spite of that thing in their lives. It was that God worked through that thing in their lives. God had put it there because it, He deemed it good and needful. So the manna may give way to another means of provision, but we may trust that even when one season is over, God is still going to continue to provide for His people in the next season. He may make you go out and work for that provision in a way that He didn't when He spoon-fed you the manna. He may provide what is difficult for you instead of what is easy for you. But God is going to continue to provide. So, application one, don't hang on too tightly to the manna of any one particular season. Application two, trust that there will be what you need for each season. God may provide differently in different seasons, but God will always provide for His people. Thirdly, this provision that God made for the Israelites in the wilderness was itself real, historical, literal food. God literally gave them bread from heaven. There is real, literal, historical provision that God gives us. You, you should give thanks for the food that you receive. There's no rule in Scripture that it has to be before you eat as opposed to after you eat. There's no rule in Scripture that it has to be at every meal and not just once per day, etc., etc. Et Without being sticklers about this, in Romans 1, one of the first marks of the ungodly is that they did not give thanks to God. And so we as Christians ought to be thankful people. We ought to recognize that even if we went out and earned the money and went to the grocery store and bought it and cooked it ourselves, we ought to recognize though that all of this comes from God. We ought to thank God not only for our food, but we ought to thank God for our houses, whether they're owned or rented. We ought to thank God for our cars. We ought to thank God, etc., etc. These didn't just come from the Suzuki factory in Japan and we ought to thank the workers there we ought to thank God ultimately because he is the ultimate provider of all that we have God provides in many many ways manna as it were just things that we practically need God provides God cares God's fatherly benevolence is manifest in these things but the manna in the wilderness wanderings typified not merely how God will continue to provide for His people in the centuries that followed and in the millennia that followed but this manna typified ultimately someone called the true bread from heaven 
Jesus says in John 6 and verse 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The food that we eat, whether it's manna, which falls from the sky, whether it is pasta or rotis or pizza or a roasted chicken breast sandwich or whatever, all of these things typify and, and, and point to and signify the true nourishment that God gives us. Who Jesus tells us is Himself. He is the true bread. Whoever comes to Him will never hunger. Whoever comes to Him will never thirst. He teaches us that the manna pointed to Him. God's provision of food for His people pointed to Jesus. I would say, still, the fact that God provides us food points us to the fact that Jesus is the bread of life that the Father has also provided for us. All of these other kinds of manna, roasted chicken breast sandwiches and pasta, rice and pizza and whatever else, these may cease. There may be supply chain issues, there may be famine, there may be whatever. There may, you may develop a lactose intolerance or a gluten sensitivity or whatever. The, the, none of these things are permanent. None of, you live in a state of flux. One month you may not be able to afford what you could afford the month before. One month you lose your job and now what provision looks like is different. All of these things are in a state of flux. God is going to continue on that level to provide for you in some way what is good for you and what is needful for you. But here is what you always have. Jesus, the true bread from heaven. There's this song that says this, in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, Every minute, every moment, where I've been or where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Look, the way God provides for your temporal needs, your circumstances, may be very different in one season than it was in the season prior. It may be hard, it may be difficult, it might involve tragedy. There might be a lot of hard work and maturation and personal growth involved in acquiring what you need in a new season. But God will always provide. So don't cling too tightly to the manna of any one season. And trust that God is going to continue to provide in some way in the next season. But know this, overall and in it all and through it all, there is a manna which we always have, which we always possess, which never ceases, 
There is no point where we eat from the produce of the land and that manna ceases. In the midst of whatever season we are in, in whatever season we are going into, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. There will be Jesus. The earthly manna may ebb and flow and cease and change, but that to which the manna points, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Constant. And we always have Him. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10 gives us some wisdom as we move from one season to the next. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. We have to recognize seasons change. One season of life is different from the one that went before it and the one that's coming after it. Don't cling too tightly to the way, the manner in which God provides for you in any one particular season. Just trust that He's got you all your life through and that in it all and through it all, there has been, there is, and there will always be Jesus.